he's Christian. He's Jimmer. We're ready for two physical therapists and a bag of chips. Bag of New Orleans kettle style evil eye from Zaps, brought to us by Connie. It's a pretty intimidating looking bag. This bag has no indication whatsoever what the flavor is outside of evil eye. Right. So, so if anybody knows what flavor, they look um, extremely red. They are bright red chips. They look evil. So that'll be that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to this. Thank you, Connie. Yes, thank you. Before we get to that, we're going to discuss calf tears. Gastrocnemius and soleus disruption. That was good. Yeah, was I remembered. Good. So the calf is made up of two muscles, the gastrocnemius, which is the more superficial of the two muscles. This has two parts, the medial and lateral heads. It's a two-joint muscle, which means it crosses the ankle and the knee. Best known for basically power. Forced plantar flexion. It's also a weak knee bender, which is how it becomes the two-joint muscle. Crosses behind your knee, so be careful. Sometimes pain directly behind your knee could be your calf and not your hamstring or not your knee. Fast twitch fibers. Yeah. Soleus, on the other hand. Twitching so fast, you can sometimes not even see it. Yeah. Good. It's all the cramps in there sometimes. Yeah. Soleus tear, or soleus muscle, sorry, is the deeper of the two muscles. It is quite a flat muscle. This is best known more for being a uh, slow twitch fiber, so it's definitely more of an endurance muscle, and it helps predominantly with uh, stability, control, plantar flexion. Yeah, definitely more to stabilize instead of a prime mover like the gas truck, right? Yep. Uh, both of them attach to your Achilles, and that plays a role potentially in differential diagnosis. But tears, what do tears t- tend to look like in the calf? In... Significant cases, you'll have a sudden pain in the back of the lower leg, and it'll often feel like someone kicked you or like an object hit you in the back of the leg. Sometimes there can be a popping or snapping sound, which in a lot of cases sounds an awful lot like an Achilles rupture, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty impressive. So those two can be very similar in nature in terms of what people feel. So I've had friends and I've had family give me a call and they said they heard a pop and they were running and it felt like somebody kicked them in my head. immediately goes to, boy, I really hope it's not an Achilles rupture. And then from there, you can figure out where the pain is. If the pain is higher, if it's more in your calf, there's, there's usually a, a less of a chance of that. And then if there's an Achilles rupture, there's usually obviously a, a disconnect between the heel and the muscle and you can feel that in most cases and or see it and so you can rule out an Achilles injury relatively quickly which is nice because you also, definitely don't yeah. want that. Plus with a tear you can get some pretty impressive bruising. Oh yeah. Which you don't always get with a Achilles tendon rupture. Yeah. Uh, the big differential diagnosis stuff at home is definitely over the next few hours what starts to happen. Uh, you have significant difficulty with walking and this is usually due to the fact that you want to keep your foot in the plantar flex position which is something that can't happen in most cases, if you have a complete rupture of your Achilles, because that plantar flexure muscle is basically no longer attached at this point. Floppy foot syndrome. Yeah. Uh, most people can't flatten their foot because it pulls on that gastrocnemius or soleus tear. Uh, there can be swelling. There can definitely be some serious bruising with this stuff. So a lot of times you, you'll have in a day or, or two a really nice bruise in the back of that leg. And remember, gravity plays a part here, too. So the bruising may not necessarily be the area where you feel your pain. It can be below that. It can even be in the foot, the outside of the ankle. Um, but usually that, that could be an indication that there was um, some tearing and subsequent bleeding. Yeah. Sometimes you'll see uh, nice sausage toes every once in a while, too. Or, or you get purple in your toes, which is kind of a weird 
thing to see, but gravity is the main culprit there, absolutely. Most of the time, cause of these tears is going to be a sudden change in direction or an acceleration or deceleration. So you rarely see this with steady walking or, or steady running, but you will see it most of the time. You know, you're playing basketball in the driveway and you change directions. Playing tennis, big one. Big one. Stop yeah. and go. Um, any, I mean, any kind of, of sort of sport activity with change of directions is, is really fairly common. And so running-wise, we'll, people may experience it like going like downhill or there's, they miss step with their foot and they have to catch themselves. Uh, that's when you'll see it in those cases. But generally speaking, you really don't see it a lot as, as a walking or, or running injury, you know, without some sort of misstep or, or some sort of sudden change in activity level there, which is good, I think. Yeah, if you're a runner. Yeah, sure, if you're a runner. There can be multiple grades, and grade one is pretty mild, and that'll it'll feel more sore than anything usually. Usually you don't get that same popping sensation or that feeling that somebody has kicked you or, or something's hit you in the back of the leg. That tends to be saved more for the grade two and grade threes. Um, grade ones, fairly mild. Usually people can get over that in two to three weeks. Moderate stuff, you know, four to six weeks isn't uncommon. Severe ones, and they're, they're going to act definitely much more similarly to an Achilles injury. Uh, and those, in worst, worst cases, can take several months to, to fully recover from. And um, that's a lot shorter than, let's say, the nine months you might need for, for an Achilles injury. So a tear to your gastrac or soleus is still much preferred over an Achilles injury. They have a, a tendency to, to kind of become chronic, just like hamstrings do. So Absolutely. that's one of the downsides is if you come back too quick too aggressive it can become a lingering problem or a lingering injury absolutely you need to definitely be careful not to return too quickly because re-tears are possible and those are usually worse so if you had a grade one and then you re-tear it it's probably not a grade one anymore this time no. unfortunately you're going to second grade yeah the other thing we need to be careful for with these is something called the deep vein thrombosis so this can feel very similar to, to a calf tear, usually without the traumatic incident. And so that's pain in the calf. And that's something we're going to talk about next episode, actually. That's going to be our next topic. Yay! DVT. So, DVTs. So Jimmer's got a great story about how he saved the guy's life. <laughs> so we'll get, we'll get to that. That'll be a good one. Yeah. But treatment with calf tears, generally it doesn't matter what grade we're talking about. The first thing we always think about is, is basically just kind of rice off the, off the top. So we're, we're going to rest it. We're going to certainly work on just comfortable range of motion, you know, ice, NSAIDs, compression, elevation, all that sort of stuff as needed. And once you're more comfortable, we definitely want to go with range of motion. So the sooner we can get you moving through full dorsiflexion and full plantar flexion, the more comfortable you're going to be. Then working in internal, external rotation, eversion, inversion. Uh, once we've got full range of motion and you're comfortable weight-bearing, then we start to work on concentric muscle strength. So this is basically force production. And uh, once that gets strong, then we want to start doing eccentric loading, which is basically force acceptance. And so the better you can accept force, the less likely this is to be a problem. Once we've kind of got that stuff covered, it'll go to agility work, stop starts, loading and long loading quickly, which is basically the return to sport progression or return to activity progression. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to jump in here real quick, but neither Christian or myself are huge fans of immobilizing. So putting a brace or a boot on this is not usually indicated. Yeah, having said that, 
Obviously, there are cases where it is necessary, but by and large, you're better off, like Christian said, trying to start moving as quickly as possible because we're trying to get rid of the swelling and um, allow that muscle to heal. So any kind of pumping activity is good. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this is probably one of the one of the few cases where I've had tremendous luck with um, K-tape. K-tape is usually also kind of a hit or miss situation, but K-tape, for some reason, does really well on the calf. So the fancy colored kinesio tape that everybody wants, if you really want to get taped, tear your calf muscle. <laughs> no, nah, I was kidding. Don't do that. Don't don't tear it. But yeah. if if you if you do happen to tear it, it's it is it is a good adjunct, and it's it is interesting how much better it works there than some other places. Yeah, it's it's it, it's, it's weird. That is true. So generally, most people will recover from these. Will we'll, we'll do a good job. Again, be very careful that you don't go back to activity too quickly. That that's always a recipe for for problems, particularly with these calf tears, because they can become chronic, especially within a, a, a season. So it's worth taking an extra week or two in the season rather than coming back too quickly, losing another three or four weeks, coming back too quickly, losing another four or five weeks. But at that point, your season's over. So just be careful that you take the time to really let these recover before you get back to to your sport. It's an interesting discussion that we usually have uh, with high school kids, right? They're so gung-ho to get ready and uh, ready to play, especially when their season just started and they made varsity and they're super excited to play. But yeah, it's better to wait one week longer than to return one day too soon. Yeah. The payoff's not worth it. If you've got a championship game tomorrow, right, that, that's something that's worth kind of weighing differently. But if it's the start of the season, absolutely give yourself the time. I mean, there's, there's really no benefit I, I've been able to find in terms of running back. Nope. In most cases, I mean, I can't think of many people who've gone back and didn't have even maybe a mild setback was the best case scenario. Yeah, absolutely. So you just need to be it's really, really careful. Trivia time. Woo, Oscar. Was it Oscar? No, it was Cookie Monster. Yeah, yeah. This week's trivia question, what is Cookie Monster's real name? I guessed Mr. Cookie Monster, and that was uh, blatantly wrong. That, that was not correct. No, no. Sid is the Cookie Monster's real name. Who knew? Yeah. So even, even Cookie Monster doesn't really remember his own name. He's quoted as saying maybe it was Sydney or something like that. Hmm. So, Who named him? Jim Henson. So not his mom. Mrs. Cookie Monster. Mrs. I don't, I don't. Are cookies spawned? Cookie Monster spawned or are they birthed? I, I don't really know. I think monsters are birthed. Okay. Well. Anyway. Yeah. Is so, Sid or Sydney? Yeah, Sid. And, and did anybody guess this? TJ got it right again, some, some somehow. So TJ, you need to spend a little more time on your studies, sir. <laughs> a little less time on your study, I think. Come on, TJ. That's impressive. TJ, TJ gets all these. I had no idea, so I thought this was fun. Yeah, absolutely. But that was all we got. Yep. Uh, we did get a guess from Natasha again, but that was a little off. Oh, Natasha's done with school, I think. But that, yeah, that's fine. That's great. This week's trivia question. This is this is a hard one too, I, I think. So, how many countries have purple in their flags? Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a geography buff, or at least I like to think of myself, and I had zero clue. Not a, not a single clue. And I'm colorblind, so I really don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's so. pretty funny that yeah. the colorblind dude comes up with a question like this. Yeah, but, you know, so um, I did not uh, do the research on this. No. So. So, so, did you pose the question, how many? Yeah. Okay. We can so you do. can get bonus points if you can tell us which countries they are. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, just how many. So that makes it easier because you can just pick a number. Zero to 
204? Yeah. Sure. Is that how many countries there? I don't know. I forgot. That's a good trivia question. So somewhere between zero and 200-ish. Yeah. Let's go with that. So, yeah, guess away. Let us know. Trip time? Oh, yeah. It I'm is still chip time. I'm still drinking coffee. It is pretty early. We're recording at 25 on Friday. Coffee and uh, coffee and chips. Yeah, it could be good. Who knows? Who knows what it really tastes like? So, yeah, the Zaps Evil Eye, compliments of Connie. Thank you very much. Uh, New Orleans kettle-style chip. We've had good success with the Zaps chip in the past. Chip to air ratio, a staggering 50% here. Wow. These chips, I mean, these are bright red. This is the reddest chip I have yeah, seen. It's it's uh it And if looks, I know it's red, then there's a real problem. It almost looks quasi poisonous. Yeah, I'm gonna take this massively are you red one. Make the, the big one. See well, this we, one has quite a bit of red here. too. It's a great chip because it's a kettle chip. Super crunchy. Oh, it's a really solid chip. It's sweet. Yeah, I don't know what kind of seasoning it is, but it has a little bit of a of an afterkick. It smells similar to what you get on like a like a seafood seasoning, like a crawdad type seasoning. So it's worse sisters to your shire sauce. Molasses, that would that would include or that would That'll be the sweetness. Yeah. Tamarind, which is actually maybe where the color comes from, right? Tamarind, because I, I like tamarind um, almonds. Oh yeah. And they have a Hmm. Subtle with the mild heat, yet bursting with flavor. I'd agree with that. I'm gonna have to agree. These are fantastic. These are really good chips. Um, no, no reason to keep eating. You probably got some talking to do while I eat. Yeah. I'm gonna say for me, this is, this is my this is a three thumb chip. This is up there. It's got the flavor. It's got the eatability. It's got the chip crunch. It's got all three thumbs. Good chip here. This doesn't happen very often, but I'm gonna agree with you. Oh, are you really? Oh, Three wow. thumbs, yes, absolutely. Wow, this is a yeah. This is probably, yeah, the best chip I've had this year. Maybe a close second to uh, whatever I had as my last best chip. <laughs> I can't remember. All right, that, yeah. Thank you, Connie. Thank you very much. Good chip here. Oh, these are delicious. Yeah, these are, these are really good. These aren't going to last very long. Uh, thank you for listening today. Next week, we're going to cover DVT, deep vein thrombosis. Then we're going to review. Oh, my me, I'm sorry. Deep River Zesty Jalapeno. Compliments of Jamie and Pippa again. If you like today's episode, please tell your friends, follow, review, subscribe. If you want more information on this topic, give us a follow on the Instagram and Twitter. We will be posting stuff throughout this upcoming week. If you want more information... I saved you a foldy. Oh, you're the best. You're welcome. If you want more information on rebound therapy, check out our website, reboundclinic.com. He's Jimmer. I'm Christian. I'm going to eat some more chips here. Thank you for listening.